Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, Philippians chapter 4, and we're reading from the New King James Version of the Bible, the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippians, and he says this, Therefore, my beloved, and longed for, I love that, and longed for, brethren, therefore, my beloved, you're loved by me, and longed for, you're not only loved, but you're longed for. In other words, there's a yearning in my heart for you, Philippians. Now, you know, uh, a large part of the reason that the Corinthians, the Ephesians, the Philippians, uh, and such, uh, talking about the people, would respond to Paul, it's because of this love. See, it wasn't just, well, he's the apostle, we got to do what he says. Yeah, there was that too, because he was an apostle to them, and they should and were required by the Lord to obey, because the Lord Jesus assigned him to be an apostle to them and to teach them. But this love made it easier for them, not easy all the time, but made it easier for them because they knew he loves us. And so Paul is sharing this affection that he has for them. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy. Oh, how does it feel for the apostle to call you his joy? My joy and crown. What does that mean? That means that me having relationship with you, I feel adorned. I feel adorned with a crown. I feel royal because I get to be in relationship with you. My joy and crown. So stand fast. Of course, Paul could also be talking about the fact that by him fulfilling his ministry and helping them to serve the Lord correctly, that is also a reward that God will give him for that. But I I, I tend to think he's talking more about uh, that relationship that I mentioned before, that I feel adorned with a crown by being in relationship with you. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Stand fast. Stand fast. Boy, the Lord's saying that to us today. Stand fast. Stay with the Lord. Maybe stay in his word. Keep doing what you're doing right now. Hey, stay in there. Stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Verse two, I implore Eudia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. (laughs) Apparently, they were not. They were at odds with one another. There was something going on there that, you know, yeah, the Holy Spirit included this. And this is, by the way, interesting. I'll just hit it for a second. In the in the word of God, and that's true in the epistles or in the letters, like of Paul and Peter and others, but there are real practical things that the apostle, so to speak, the author, is addressing with the recipients, things that would not pertain to us today. Because see, here it says Judea and Syntyche. Well, uh, that's not any of us. So you're thinking, well, why is that in the Bible? Because these were real letters that were written in real time from the Apostle Paul to the Philippians and such. And that was of the Lord for that to be said to them. But the Holy Spirit was inspiring this, which means that when we come back to read it, often the Holy Spirit will say, yeah, and here's what I'm saying to you. In other words, there may be somebody that we're at odds with. And as he's speaking to these two people, 
Now we hear the Holy Spirit saying, hey, don't be at odds with that brother or that sister anymore, but go make things right. Get into unity with them. And so that, that's how we can understand uh, and hear from God through his word. His word is alive. It's as if it was written today. And so we're not just talking about creatively applying the Bible. I'm saying that the Holy Spirit, even when he inspired the Apostle Paul to write this about those two people, even then the Holy Spirit knew that one day we would be reading it and hearing it, and he knew what he wanted to say to us through that. And so this is what's so powerful about the Word of God. The Holy Spirit knew us and knew what we needed to hear when he was inspiring every part of the Bible. That's why this is a special book. It's not like any other book. And so we'll talk more about that when we get to 2 Peter chapter 1. Okay, so I implore Judea and I implore Sinechi to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Very interesting that he said, help these women. He didn't say, have those women help you. No, he said, help these women, help these women. And he said, along with, he goes on to say, the rest of my fellow workers. So he is acknowledging women among men who were fellow workers with him in the gospel or uh, fellow workers whose names are in the book of life, fellow workers, not fellow believers, fellow workers. Well, what does that mean? Well, Paul's serving as a minister of the gospel. And he says, help these women who also served as ministers of the gospel along with me. Paul here is acknowledging women who are serving in ministry. And I know that there are a pat, there is a passage or two that seems to indicate that Paul did not acknowledge women as serving in any ministry or ministry leadership capacities. But I want you to know, when you read the whole Bible, you'll find out, oh, that's not true. You can't take that one passage, uh, like in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and ignore the rest. <laughs> no. Uh, in fact, Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine. So you can't just take one and say, yeah, just ignore what the rest of the Bible says about women being used in ministry. We just take this one and that's just what it means. See, just like Paul in this passage was talking to Judea and Syntyche, and he was addressing something directly with those two people in the same way in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he's addressing with Timothy something that was going on at the church of, at Ephesus and how to address that. So you always have to know when you're interpreting the Bible, if the author is addressing something that is a universal law for everybody, or if he's addressing a pastoral issue in that situation. See, because if it's a pastoral issue, but well, then that doesn't mean it applies everywhere the same way. See, and so here Paul is talking about these two people. Uh, and so there's a pastoral issue going on there. Well, the Holy Spirit can say, hey, that also applies to you here or there. But it doesn't necessarily mean that, for example, uh, there might be a person in the church where you're attending and that person is walking in the flesh. I mean, that person is uh, not right with God. But, oh, no, Paul's saying you've got to be in unity with him. You've got to be in alignment with him. Well, you can't be in alignment with somebody who 
is not walking with the Lord or they're blaspheming the Lord. You can't be in unity with that. See, so anyway, uh, there is a pastoral issue and there are universal laws that are being written and the Holy Spirit helps us to see the difference between those. But I just wanted to point out here that Paul is saying, help the women, help the women. So help these women. Not that these women serve you because you're leaders. No, help them, their fellow workers with me. I just love, by the way, no, no author of the Bible validates women in ministry more than the Apostle Paul. Just read the New Testament, you'll see it. He does this more than any other biblical author. Okay, so help these women with Clement also and the rest of my fellow's workers whose name, names are in the book of life. Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. I told you it was coming again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. He mentioned that in chapter three. And now here we go in chapter four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. You know, even when we're going through tough times and we forget to rejoice in the Lord because sometimes we may feel like I don't have anything to rejoice about right now. We always have something to rejoice about. Oh, if you're born again, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You have heaven to gain. You have eternity with Jesus. You have eternal life. You're not going to die and go to hell. Oh, let me tell you, I don't care how bad things get. If you're a believer, you have so much to rejoice about. So he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And then verse five, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Let your gentleness be known. What does that mean? That's, that's a meekness. In other words, even though you could exercise more dominion, more control, more authority, more power, more strength. He said, let, let your gentleness be made known to all men. The Lord is at hand. In other words, God's coming back quickly. Don't be harsh with people. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Oh, I just love this. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious, watch, for nothing. But in everything, see, these are two extremes. Be anxious or worried or stressed out about nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So we shouldn't fret, worry, be under stress or pressure about anything. But in everything, when there is a crisis, when there is an attack, a problem or whatever, everything by prayer, with supplication, we should let our request be made known to God with thanksgiving, he said. Verse 7, and what will happen when you do that? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It doesn't make sense how you could have peace in the midst of a storm. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you'll respond to the crisis, if you'll respond to the pressure, the stress, like this in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, See, not just complaining, but if you'll do it, thank you, Lord. Lord, I, if you have a, an attack of sickness, Lord, I thank you so much that Jesus took stripes for my healing and by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Thank you, Lord, for my healing. See, now you're getting your mind over on the truth, number one, but on good news. See, and so the Bible says, when you get your mind in touch with reality, with truth, with the good news of the gospel, the peace of God can come over because you know, man, I, I, I am 
I'm not just thinking happy thoughts. No, this is not just thinking positive. The Bible doesn't encourage us just to think positive. The Bible encourages us to meditate on truth. Truth is better than positive. Positive cannot even be true, but it's positive. The, the truth of the gospel is real. This is truth. And boy, when we do this, now the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds. It'll, it, it doesn't make sense why we can have such peace. But it'll guard our hearts and minds. Verse 8, finally, brethren. Here's another good verse. Listen to this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. He's saying it's easy to go negative. It's easy to walk in criticism and complaining and backbiting, gossip and such. He said, no, do the opposite. If there's any good thing, wholesome things, things that are true, things that are lovely. If you, if you can see a person, somebody's criticizing that person, but you have something to say about that person that's a positive attribute. See, he said, if there's anything praiseworthy, anything we can give praise to God about, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Notice again, he's saying, do you remember how I lived? He said, I live this way among you. Boy, it's a great thing when you're teaching people to live with the character of Christ, and then you can use yourself for an example. That shows Paul's maturity. But he said, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. These do, and the God of peace will be with you. Verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Your care for me has flourished again. So he was he's saying, you, you used to take good care of me and bless me and give me offerings to make sure that my needs were taken care of as I was pursuing the, the ministry of the gospel to other places. He said, but then it, it waned. He said, but now you've done this again. He goes on to say, uh, and he said, uh, has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. He said it waned because you didn't have the opportunity to give or to help me. Verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. He said, I'm not saying these things to you because I've got a need. He said, listen, if I had a need, I'll be content. I'll be grateful to the Lord. Uh, I'm not I don't require a lot of attention or a lot of, uh, you know, help. I don't have to live at a certain level of lifestyle and comfort. He said, boy, I gave that up to do what God has called me to do. Paul is really a man of God, I'll tell you. Verse 12, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Paul said, oh, I, I've been to where I was without anything, but I've been to where I've had plenty and extra blessed how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Strengthens me. I know we quote that a lot. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and it does apply to so many things. But notice the context of what Paul is saying. 
Paul is talking about uh, going through difficult times, even lacking finances, lacking money, lacking strength, uh, and not having enough things that we would say, oh, Lord, supply the need. But Paul's saying, listen, through the strength of Christ, I can go through any hard time. <laughs> I can go through anything. And so it applies that way too. So notice this, verse 14. Nevertheless, you have done well that you have shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that at the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. He said, when I, when I first departed from Macedonia, he said, you were the only church that shared with me with giving and receiving. Notice he says, not only giving, but receiving. Why? Because when you give, you receive. No church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid, you sent support. We would call it financial support. Once and again, he said you sent it a, a second time uh, for my necessities. Now watch this. Not that I seek the gift. He said, I'm not bringing this up because I'm seeking a gift from you. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. He said, I'm bringing this up. And we know it's true because he's being inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is scripture. He said, I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. When you give to me, he said, God puts fruit in your account your account in heaven to your on your tab as if, oh, God's got blessings for you because you've helped me. Paul said, I seek that. Oh, what a man of God that Paul has that on his heart instead of trying to get something from them. I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all in abound. What does that mean? Paul says, I'm not currently in need. I have everything I need. In fact, I've got more than I need right now. So I'm not bringing this up about giving and receiving and about you sowing another offering into me because I have need. I'm bringing this up because you need to give and you need to sow so that God will bless you. Powerful. This is true. And so he says, indeed, I have all and abound. I'm full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet smelling aroma and acceptable sacrifice. He said, I, I have all and abound because of what you sent. And yet, I'm still going to bring this back up to you to continue to give. Why? So that you can continue to be blessed. He said, a sweet-smelling aroma, your sacrifice, your giving, is a sweet-smelling aroma, a sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's the context. Is Paul saying, you've given once, you've given again, you've really blessed me, I don't have any needs, but I'm talking to you about giving more continuing to give and my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. 
We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.